Hello, you are now listening to Real Matters of the Heart, the podcast, where we say life is all about chances. You can determine how many you take, but not how many you get. I am your host, Joy. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode number 20, entitled The Measure of a Man. Today, I am talking with Javon Langford, who is a men's empowerment coach all over the world. He is doing such meaningful and impactful work with guiding, supporting, teaching, empowering, and ultimately creating a space for men to define for themselves what it looks like to live their legacy, both personally and professionally. I'm so incredibly excited to share this conversation with you. Javon and I have worked together on a couple of projects in the past, and he's just such a phenomenal and powerful man. So I'm just grateful to be connected to him and humbled to be able to bring this conversation to you because there are so many gold nuggets where he shares how vulnerability is paying his bills, which for as a man to be vulnerable um, for a long time had been a taboo thing. And so he talks about tapping into that and what it was like growing up in a house full of women raised by a single woman and the oldest of five children, all four sisters, and what it looked like to be the only man in his home and how that shaped who he is today and how that contributed to the conversation he was having about what it meant to be a man when he was lacking those examples and displays of manhood for himself when he was growing up. Some amazing revelations about the way we define manhood, the way we approach manhood, the way we perceive and understand manhood um, for both men and women, um, for men who are growing into themselves, understanding themselves. And from women who are in relationship with these men, whether it be dating relationships, familial relationships, professional relationships, and what it's like to understand um, some of the the places they may be coming from when they show up in the world in particular ways. So it's very interesting to hear um, his process and how he evolved to where he is today as he continues to evolve and reveal things about who he is and who he's becoming. So I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for our relationship I'm happy to be able to share with you, and I know that there will be some nuggets and some wisdom that you can take away. So without further ado, here is episode number 20 of the Real Matters of the Heart, the podcast entitled The Measure of a Man. Hello, and welcome to Real Matters of the Heart, the podcast where we say life is about chances and you can determine how many you take, but not how many you get. Mm. I am your host, Joy. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am here with my guest, Mr. Javon Lankford. What's up, baby? And I just want to share a quick story about Javon before we get started. Um, Javon and I met at a wealth conference. Mm. I was speaking on the topic of your health is your wealth and how your health is connected to your financial well-being. And Javon was in the audience because he is always out in the world seeking knowledge, wanting to be better, trying to find out what's the next move, right? And uh, he was in the audience. And he came up to me afterwards, and he and I just remember he was like excited. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know, I think that's I think that's the word. I think he was just excited, very very enthusiastic about just being there about whatever it is he was going to say to me and just Great, great energy. And so I remember he walked up to the table where I was kind of standing afterwards and said, yo, I really liked what you had to say. And he just kind of started telling me what he was up to in the world, which at the time was M4. Was at the budding stages of a mentors making major moves, this nonprofit. It was all about mentorship for young men, uh, foster youth specifically. And so he was telling me all these things and just 
all of the energy and everything about him, I was like, yo, this sounds dope. Let's, let's link up. And we exchanged information and we started kind of talking and then it's just been on ever since, right? And I remember just kind of being on there and developing the program. And for a while I was like director of health and wellness and we did events and fundraisers and all kinds of stuff happened. And we were meeting weekly at a, at a point, right? We were meeting every week, like really grinding this thing out. And it was just, it was good times. And since then, um, M4 has evolved so much and you've done so much in addition to M4. Um, but in my mind, you're phenomenal, right? And you always have been. And I'm seeing all the work that you're doing now. But in my mind, it's just like, I just remember it was just, that was just, it was just us. Like, you know what I mean? Doing, doing this work and with this vision and these ideas and you just being always so excited and still seeing you now be so excited about the work you're doing now. It's just a blessing to be surrounded by people who are doing their heart's work. Um, and their heart's work is service to other people, which I think is also very gratifying for me to see how fulfilling it can be to do what it is you're here to do and have that work be so incredibly empowering and impactful to the people that you serve. So thank you so much for making time for me today. Thank you. I, I mean, just to watch you evolve has been such a, a gift. And the emotion that came to mind when you when I connected with you was absolutely your name it was joyful i was very it was joyous to see someone so passionate with something that shared that passion that i had for my what i was up to in the world so to hear you speak that day is something that um i still remember i still remember you walking pacing back and forth and (laughs) connecting with people in the audience and really speaking from a heart space so thank you for showing up big that day and it's been it's been such an amazing adventure being in relationship with you yeah thank you so much for saying that um so let's talk a little bit about the work that you do. And so Javon and I today, we're going to talk about masculinity and manhood. And we're going to talk about reframing that and redefining that and how to express that, how to explore that um, today in this world, 2017, with all that has happened socially, politically, technologically, and, and otherwise, just, just and it's changing a very fast-changing world and, and and kind of what that looks like and this is the work that you do so talk a little bit about kind of that work and then we're going to move into some specific questions that I have for you okay awesome I, I think um I think before I even dive into the work itself I think it's important to kind of give some context as to my story and why I'm even doing men's work right um my my background uh I grew up in the east coast of, of Massachusetts in the state of Massachusetts and I was born to a teenage mother um, who got pregnant with me at 16, and she was in relationship with a man who was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 29. So when he passed away, my mother spent the majority of her life drinking and drugging and really being addicted to substances and uh, really abusing them. And it ultimately resulted in me being put in foster care. I'm the oldest of five, and I'm the only boy. So I grew up in a household where it was very effeminate energy. And I was very much one of the girls for mm-hmm. a while, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. And not having any man or uncle or brother or cousin or, or, or anything really to embody those characteristic traits uh, or those mannerisms of what it meant to be a man. So I didn't know for a long time. Mm-hmm. I just was one of the girls. Right. Know? And that's tough. It's very tough going to grade school, going to middle school, going to high school, and not knowing what it means to be a boy, not knowing what it means to be a man. And that's so interesting that you would even say that, because on some level, I think 
it's framed as though there is this innate or automatic thing that happens that because you are, you know, assigned at birth, the male, you know, sex, that there's something that just automatically clicks that teaches you Mm -hmm. what that means or what that looks like, or that there's even this concept or idea that there is a one way that it, that it looks to be a man and to, to live as that. So that you would say, he was like, I didn't, you know, that I didn't know is like, an interesting even idea to be mm-hmm. like, how do we know that whatever you were doing wasn't exactly mm-hmm. what it means to be a man, but it maybe it just didn't look like whatever we thought it was supposed to look like, or we're told it's supposed to look like. So even that is, is an interesting thing to look back on like the early years of your life and to kind of think like, yeah, I was, I was doing what everybody around me was doing and I was around women. Yeah. So I was doing what women were doing, whatever that means. Yeah. I knew no different, and, and growing up, I got teased quite a bit in school, mm-hmm. and in addition to losing my dad, in addition to being surrounded by women, I also experienced sexual abuse, mm-hmm. which did not uh, support the conversation that was going on in my head mm-hmm. at all. So I, I was very, very much challenged early on, not knowing how to navigate that, so I had this story around men that if I connected with them, if I spoke to them, they were, only one of two things could happen, I would be, abu- I would be abused again, mm-hmm. or I'd be abandoned again, because my dad left. Mm. And so it was very challenging to navigate relationships with men my entire life, well into my 20s. Mm-hmm. I remember going to college and playing sports there, and basketball practice would end, the game would end, and I would leave and go to my dorm, I'd watch person develop movies, I'd go write poetry, I'd go listen to music, but I didn't know how to connect with men, I was afraid of men. Mm. And now here I am, you know, 29 years later, as a men's empowerment coach, as a global speaker, who does workshops and trainings around the world, who leads men's groups, men's circles, men's academies, you know, globally on, on multiple continents. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've learned is that our greatest challenge is the same when we're born to break through mm-hmm. and to turn around and teach others. Certainly. It's about legacy. Certainly. And so it's, it's, a, it's a journey going from that fear to fearlessness, though. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, what's been a huge component to that has been the mentorship which right. is why I'm such a huge advocate for mentorship, which right. is why not only do I do that with my for-profit businesses, I do it with my foundation, M4, which does programming called The Mentor. A lot of social-emotional leadership principles teaching these things to boys right. in the form of exercises and activities and you know, really high-engaging interactions, creating deep and meaningful relationships for these boys because it's about exposure. It's about what we're being exposed to, mm-hmm. whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. It influences how we show up Certainly. in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And so what I'm hearing you say, though, which I think I want to kind of highlight and reiterate is what you said is um, about just kind of that thing that you are born to break through, that mm-hmm. thing that, that your challenge, whatever is given to you, right, is is then what you are to, to turn around and give back to the world, your understanding of it and whatever your lessons that you've pulled pulled from it, which I totally 100% agree with and is similar to the work that I do mm-hmm. in my coaching and things like that. And so I, I totally understand. But what I want to kind of highlight that you didn't necessarily say directly is that it was birthed from your experience, but your willingness to be vulnerable in that. Yeah. Because to say everything that you've said about you know identifying as one of the girls and being sexually abused and being afraid and unable to connect to men mm-hmm. all of those things to be able to say that now just kind of like conversationally the way yeah. that you did yeah. isn't just a place that you arrive at overnight Not it requires so much work and then the healing of being able to say it to someone else 
because there's just there's the step of being able to acknowledge it for yourself and deal with yourself and go what is this what's going on and kind of be introspective and then there's the next in my mind bigger and much more um kind of risky step Mm -hmm. of saying it out loud right um and it's one thing to say it out loud to people that you know and trust. It's another to say it out loud to some people who... To the world. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the that process. Like the, the process of being in touch with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then being clear about this is the message that I get to share. Mm-hmm. And then what does that look like when I get to now yeah. jump into that yeah, piece for sure being in touch i love that so let's just dive into that for a second being in touch staying in touch with someone or something requires a consistency in communication mm-hmm. in that being alone with myself leaving my 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 teammates and then not wanting to hang out and going to drink and party with them you know secluding myself not being in a relationship not dating anyone being afraid to be in a relationship i spent a lot of time alone mm-hmm. and it's in that seclusion in that being with myself that I learned how not to be lonely. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with me and I mm-hmm. learned to love me and to reintroduce myself to me. It meant to understand that there's a lot of work that I get to do on me mm-hmm. and that I don't have to do that work alone. Right. I don't. But there are certain parts of that process of getting to know yourself that require one to be with themselves mm-hmm. and to learn to be with oneself even and specifically when it's uncomfortable. Oh, especially when it's uncomfortable. And I've learned that. And I've learned and I've learned that it's such a gift to get to know me because I show up and I know that people will enjoy my presence, enjoy my company because I do. Right. I'm interesting to them because I'm interest. They're interested because I'm interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm interesting because I know myself. I know what I'm giving mm-hmm. to people in relationship. Mm-hmm. When they sit at my table, if you will, mm-hmm. I know what I'm feeding them. Right. And I'm, I've prepared it. I've taken the time to prepare. I've right. put in special ingredients. And I've dipped the spoon in the pot. And I've tasted it for myself. So I know it tastes good. Right. So another thing of that is, is learning that it's okay to be vulnerable. Vulnerability today pays my bills. Right. It's not that I'm a great coach. Although I am. It's not that I've got products and services that have created deep impact. Although I have. It's that I'm willing to go to places that most people run from. Right. And I do that because it's not about me. I've learned that. It's just not about me. Right. It's about creating impact. And when you focus on the money, you lose the movement. Mm-hmm. If you focus on the movement, the money finds you somehow. It only mm-hmm. ever always finds you. So yeah. it's been such a joy to be in relationship with myself and then in turn teach others how to do the same. So right. today, that's a lot of the work that I do is as a men's empowerment coach, as a speaker, it's my intention to create content, community, and mm-hmm. conversations that support men and women in breaking through their greatest challenge mm-hmm. so that they can live their legacy too. So let me ask you this question. The, we, we were talking about getting to know you. Mm-hmm. And largely in the beginning, early stages of that, it was um, kind of understanding like okay I am a man who has lived in this world in this way and that's not necessarily and I'm, I'm, my assumption my assumption is how you were showing up at one point wasn't consistent with how you saw yourself so like your actual self wasn't in line with your ideal self mm-hmm. and it was a decision that you were making to say I get to step back into me do this work look at myself examine myself mm-hmm. get comfortable with myself and like you said um if I expect people to be interested, I need to be interesting. Mm. So 
What did you learn about yourself that you would say as a man is different from what maybe the world would say a man looks like? Mm. That's a good question. I've learned that there's no one definition of a man. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's being a man and there's being good at being a man. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of men, including myself, confuse the two. Okay. For me, being a man is more of the qualities and characteristic traits, like genuine authenticity, mm-hmm. integrity. Those are the traits that we step into and to embody themselves. Mm-hmm. Then there's being good. That's the performance piece. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I pleasing my partner? Am I making the money? Am I, it's the doing, mm-hmm. right? And, and the being is the being. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more important to be a man than to be good at being a man. And mm-hmm. with all the media... And with all the music and all the distractions that we're surrounded mm-hmm. by, there's so much emphasis on being good at being a man. Mm-hmm. And we get lost in that so mm-hmm. much so that we live outside of our bodies, outside of our minds, and we don't know ourselves. It causes us to live outside of ourselves. Yeah. And ultimately what I've learned is that it's, it's much more important to know myself and to heal myself than to prove or to be the space for people to you know, chop me up and, and break me down. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't put myself on the chopping block anymore. I used to try to prove, mm-hmm. but it's not. There's, I realize there's, there's very little to prove. Very little to mm-hmm. prove. You, know, you don't exhausting. have to campaign for anybody's approval or, or or validation. So what I'm hearing you say though is that what you've understood about it is first of all the differentiation between the being and the doing. Right, we're human mm-hmm. beings, not human doings. Right. So it's about who we are, not what we do. And largely, I would agree with you that there's this narrative around manhood that says it's defined by what you do or even sometimes what you have. And so I appreciate that distinction between the being and the doing. But also, I want to make this connection because what you said about being a man is about the integrity and all these other kind of pieces, which I think when the focus is there, the doing stuff, similar to what you said earlier, when, when, you, when you chase the money, you lose the movement. <laughs> if you are doing or if you're I'm sorry if you're focused on do the being like who am I how am I being how am I showing up all the stuff that comes with chasing the doing stuff just kind of like gravitates to you because when you are in integrity when you are in purpose when you are in just the essence of what it means to be connected to self understanding self in in the context of whatever that looks like for you. So if I am focused on being the kind of man I want to be in my family, in my community, at my job, or wherever I am, whatever the context of that scenario is, if I'm focused on being my best self in that scenario, whatever the good stuff is that comes with the doing is just, it's like automatic. Right. It's automatic. Yeah. And so I I appreciate that. But the other thing I want to say that that I kind of heard was a lot of the doing comes from trying to cover up or run from the being, Mm -hmm. which largely when it comes to the conversation about men, looking inward, feeling, and then dealing with what you're feeling is like a no-no. And so let me ask you this. How much of your willingness to do that do you think comes from being raised around women? Well, that's a great question. It's interesting how everything's touching. I think everything in our life is touching. Oh, yeah. Nothing is for nothing. Everything is connected and, and, and serves a purpose for the bigger 
yeah. picture, right? Like it, it all. Yeah. So yeah. we can look back and be, you know. And I always talk about this. Like I don't know if I like the if I would have known then what I know now. I don't like yeah. that because I feel like I only know now because I went through what I went through then. And so right. if I try to go back and correct that with whatever today knowledge I have. Yeah. I'm missing a whole chunk of who I am. For I sure. get to appreciate that that made me today right. as uncomfortable as it may have been to yeah. go through it. I get to appreciate that that was a necessary part of my story. So I don't necess- I don't really feel like I like the whole idea of like if I knew then what I know now. Like I Claire. get the sentiments, I get what people are trying to say, yeah. but I'm not rolling yeah. because I don't know. I don't know if Javon sits alone and is willing to do that introspective feeling work if it's not modeled for him by all the women he grew up with. Mm. If you did have house full of men or whatever who demonstrated something different for you, do you follow that pattern and just fall into the doing as well? Mm. Or do you find yourself because you're raised by women willing to explore this emotional part because that's what you saw modeled for you because that's what the narrative is for women. Yeah. I don't it's, know. It's I'm a great, it's a great question. Well, this is what's coming up for me right now. My, my deepest truth in this moment, and you know, I was raised by a, quite a phenomenal woman. Mm-hmm. Women raise a different kind of man. Yeah. There are a lot of men. There are a lot of men who have been raised by single women, mm-hmm. myself being one of them. And what I've come to understand is that they teach men how to build a different type of muscle. Mm-hmm. It's the emotional muscle. Mm-hmm. It's the emotional muscle that, that they're taught. Mm-hmm. And I think men who are raised by women, they have an inner strength, something I like to call spiritual strength, mm-hmm. where they can push through certain things that other men can't. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's learning how, why they can do that is because they know how to be with themselves. Mm-hmm. They tend to have a, a good EQ. There's IQ intellectual and there's EQ emotional intelligence. They have a pretty understanding of who they are. Mm-hmm. They're very much grounded within themselves. And I think that because there's so much pain that we're going through, mm-hmm. men who are raised by single moms, we're constantly going inward mm-hmm. and spending time with ourselves and constantly feeling it and not thinking it. Mm-hmm. There are men who feel, men who think. And I think men raised by women feel a lot. I feel quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I was not raised by only a single mother. I was raised by a single grandmother. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting like deeply rooted wisdom right, from, right. The, from the root, from straight from the I'm tap. I'm talking about so much right? generational like so much, wealth. Like, generational emotional wealth. Yeah. Golden nuggets. Just golden nuggets my yeah. whole life. And what I loved about the woman I was raised by is that she never called me out. She never. No, I can't think of one time where she made me wrong or bad. She only ever, mm-hmm. always called me forward. Mm-hmm. And it caused me to go within and to think, why did I do that? She'd ask me. She'd take this, what, what's called a Socratic approach, and ask questions. Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Why did you get a C? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. What do you need support? Not, you should have got an A. You should have did this. Right. Why are you doing this again? I told you not to do that. Or sending me to my room or putting me in the corner or making yeah. me do cartwheels or jumping jacks or, or yeah. you know, any of that, all that crazy stuff. Yeah. It was always, I was always her equal. Mm-hmm. And it's something about that. I always felt I belonged somewhere. I was always rooted in grow. And what I've learned is if you're not rooted in something, nothing can grow. Right. And I was so rooted within myself that I grew to understand myself because she made it okay for me to be with myself. She made it okay for me to be emotional, made it okay for me to cry Mm -hmm. and to express my feelings. Mm -hmm. And most men spend their entire lives not being heard or seen in the Mm -hmm. home. And so they find that in love. They find that in work. And that's where you go from being a man to being good at being a man. Mm-hmm. Because they never knew good how to be. Good at pretending to be a man, or good at acting like whatever you this picture in your mind of manhood 
is who I should be versus who I already am. It's it's uh, a lot of work. Here's the thing. Should they don't get people are listening. If you don't get anything from this podcast, get this. It's a lot of work becoming who you already are. Yeah. We're born incredible beings. People who have, we have so many gifts and talents, and then we step out into a world that is built, constructed, designed to teach us how to forget how powerful we are, mm-hmm. how to forget how incredible we are, mm-hmm. how to forget our gifts, our talents, mm-hmm. over and over again, through music, through billboards, mm-hmm. through conversations, through the school systems, infrastructure, churches, everything's mm-hmm. built to cause us to forget and to make us mm-hmm. to go inward in shame. Yeah. You know, you got to go inward and rejoice and be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I bumped into a guy at Starbucks the other day and he told me, he said, Javon, life is about warm breezes and sunshine. Everything else, everything else mm-hmm. is extra. Yeah. Warm breezes and sunshine. I just thought it made me think, wow. Yeah. What a perspective on life. Yeah. And so even though it's interesting because even hearing you say that, I immediately think that sometimes what happens is we treat those things warm breezes sunshine the beach as luxuries Mm -hmm. and it's framed that way because if you think about it people say like oh that's the price you pay to live in LA you got the beaches and whatever else and we make that a luxury Mm -hmm. we make vacations right warm breezes and sunshine we make that a luxury we make these pictures of literally just enjoying the earth as it is Mm -hmm. into a luxury and so that means that I can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. And then that means that what has to come first is focus on the money, focus on the this, focus on that. So before I can do that, because then it becomes, oh, you you know, you sleep, we grind, you know, or whatever other these other ideas of what it looks like to be doing the thing, whatever the thing is. Um. And so I'm up all night. I'm going to work until they don't got to ask me my name. And all these other things that people are saying. And it's like, warm breezes and sunshine. That's free. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're not appreciating that now, you're not going to appreciate it anymore once you've busted your ass for however many years working to get whatever it is your goal is, whether it be financially or otherwise. Which I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have those goals. And I do understand, you know, on to some degree, like where people are coming from. But... Is it going to be any more enjoyable to go lay out at a beach because you have whatever amount of money in the bank? Mm-hmm. Warm breeze and sunshine is warm breeze and sunshine. I don't care what the right. bank is talking about. You know what I'm saying? So, but the way that the way that the world is, and so even as I hear you say that, like, you know, warm breeze and sunshine, I, I also hear the echoes of voices of generations past and even current. Who, who will say things like, oh, okay, you can say that because you, you yeah, balling or, right. you know, or whatever. And so, yeah, you can go be out here chilling. I got to grind because I got to. And we tell ourselves the story that we, we got to or we should be doing this other thing because of this picture in our mind of what it is that we ought to be striving for. Right. What is what fulfillment looks like. Right. What wholeness looks like. What peace looks like. Um and so we get to redefine that. And I think that's particularly um, true for men who whose role is often framed as like the provider or the head of house or the whatever, whatever that is, whatever you're told. Like you said, we're bombarded with images and ideas about what that's supposed to look like for men, especially. I always talk about this. Like if you look at when you're standing in line at the grocery store the next time and you look at um, the magazine that 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 are framing the 
the checkout line. You'll see all the women's magazines that talk about all the beauty and whatever sex positions we have to do to keep our man happy. All of the things that that it is, right? And you'll see the woman who is all made up and the wind is blowing in her hair and the cover and she's got the, the whatever. And that's what they tell us is for us. And then you'll see the men's magazine and it'll be like whatever thing is happening in technology, whatever thing is happening in cars, whatever thing is happening in business or investments. And you'll have the, you know, the man in the suit or the whatever else is going on. And then that's what they tell you is you. So it's like you're all about the like the tech and the money and the this and the that and this is you. And then we're all about sex and attraction and you know, whatever fashion and that's us. And that's what you should be striving for. Mm-hmm. And that's your ideal and that's yeah. your picture and that's what it is. And even now as I scroll through Instagram, I see people's like pages are curated and it's like color schemes and all of the different things and I totally get caught up in that because I run businesses and I'm like oh I should be doing and then I was just like you know what how much time and energy do I really have to be trying to curate this page to make sure that it looks like this layout to do this to be that to be more attractive to the person who visits my page and then maybe they want to follow me and then maybe they'll also purchase my product or I just can't Mm -hmm. like similar to you I know what I have to offer Mm -hmm. I'm clear about um, what that looks like and the value that I bring for the people who need what it is that I have. So even when I launched my program, The F Word, I was very quiet about the launch. And if I'm being honest, it was two two reasons why I was quiet. The first reason was because I was clear that whoever needed it in that moment, I wanted to be sure that I was reaching the people whose head and hearts were in a place where it was like, I need it. I'm ready for this shift. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want it to be about the marketing and the, the attraction. I wanted it to be about yeah. you. For sure. The person. The second part, though, is the part where I get to be honest with myself, which was, I was a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. So I'm launching this program about managing and moving beyond your fears. And I'm scared. And so that's... Of course. That's perfect. 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 Which is exactly what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. which is the thing that you're working through is the thing that you get to bring to the world, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. very clear about about that. Yeah. But the point is, knowing the value and realizing that all this other stuff, the doing part, the doing of the curating of the Instagram and all of the things, okay. Yeah. It, there's value. And I certainly get excited when I see it. I'm like, this is a great, this beautiful page. I'm going to follow her. Totally. For sure. For shit, man. When, I, when, I, when you say that, what comes to mind for me is I got caught up in, in the hype as well. Mm-hmm. And I was frustrated with myself one day and I was thinking, why, why am I so frustrated? Why do I want to grow my Instagram? Why do I want more followers on Facebook? What, what is it? Like, really, Javon, come on. Like, what, what's going on here? And I thought, okay, is it the popularity that I want? Mm-hmm. Is it the money that I want? What is it that I want? And I'm like really sitting down thinking about it. So I went so far as to grab a piece of paper and write down, what do I really want from this? Mm-hmm. What do I really want? And I came to some really powerful conclusions, one of which was core values. Mm-hmm. My top three core values, number one is autonomy. Mm-hmm. I do not like being told what to do, where to go, and how to get there. Mm-hmm. I love the freedom in relationship, in business, with friendship. I just like being able to come and go as I please. Mm-hmm. I have a challenge with authority, mm-hmm. right? And so I like to position myself to be able to go, to come, to return when I see fit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't mm-hmm. like to be restricted. I'm claustrophobic. I don't like being put in the corner. <laughs> and 
I like space. I emotionally like claustrophobic. Space. Exactly. Emotionally, <laughs> spiritually, physically claustrophobic, right? Yeah. And so autonomy is huge for me because I know that I have a mind and a heart and, a, and, a, and, and an energy to see what's being said and not being said mm-hmm. in conversation. Mm-hmm. So I like to style flex. I do a lot of style flexing in communication, in connection with friends, in business. I like space. Yeah, My second core value is mm-hmm. impact. Mm-hmm. And impact being how can I go deeper, stronger, and, f- and with a sense of urgency? Mm-hmm. Deeper, stronger, and sense of urgency. How do I deepen my impact? And I thought, wow, that's what it is. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I, how do I reach more people? You know, I, I yeah. used to be afraid of the dark, afraid of snakes, and, and, and all these other things. But today, like as a man, as I, as I transition into like really embodying the principles, characteristics of a man, what I'm afraid of today is not speaking enough truth mm-hmm. with enough clarity. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Because there's a responsibility that comes with this. This guy said to me the other day, he said, Javon, you're a really beautiful man. You're tall. You're good looking. You're easy on the eyes. You have good energy. You have a great voice. You know, you know there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I, you're doing this work. You could be on TV. You could be modeling. You could do all these things. But you're using your platform for something else. And I thought, wow, it's interesting that that's how I'm being viewed. How people see you. How people yeah. see me. Yeah. And I thought, that is interesting. Well, I, I did kind of go down that route, realizing climbing those ladders, there was nothing up there. Okay. And came back thing. down to ground myself and realized that there was, it was in the trenches that really lit me up. Right. Being with the people. Right. And creating movements that touched, moved, and inspired people to take action like I have for my life. Mm-hmm. And so impact being a core value of mine, mm-hmm. my commitment is not on growing my audience. It's on increasing my impact with right. people. Right. How we do that today is through those platforms, through right. Instagram, through Facebook. So I create content. Mm-hmm. To stay relevant, because you're only relevant when you're in the timeline. Right. If you don't see, if they don't see me, they don't hear me. Right. My message is not being spread. There's a responsibility that comes with that. Right. And my third core value is connection. I love, I love deep and meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. I love people who are crushing it in life, who are heart centered mm-hmm. and impact driven. Mm-hmm. I love that. So between autonomy, between impact and connection, that's why I'm so connect- That's why I'm so committed to building an audience. Why I right. want to have a hundred thousand to a million people in my family, mm-hmm. not followers. I want family. I want tribe. I want community of people mm-hmm. who feel safe enough to communicate the things that are not working in their life. Can you be honest? Can you drop into vulnerability and just say, "This is not working. This relationship is not working for me. Mm-hmm. This job is not working for me. These, these, this, this, this friendship is not working for me." Just be honest about it, because yeah. if you can't be honest about where you are, you'll never make it to where you want to be. It's kind of like calling an Uber. Right? Mm-hmm. You put the little blue dot where you are. If you lie about where you are, the Uber will never make it to you. Therefore, you'll <laughs> right. never make it to your destination. You right. can't lie about where you are. You cannot be dishonest about right. where your current circumstances are. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's changed everything. The last 18 months of my life has been completely different mm-hmm. because I was showing up as an in, inauthentic, right. disconnected, mm-hmm. and, and a doormat in a lot of ways. And, and not being conscious of what was true for me in each moment. And it's about partaking in courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. It's about asking yourself powerful questions. And you know what? Most people won't go there. Oh. They won't go there. Some yeah. people have a strong will. Mm-hmm. But most have a strong will. They just won't. So, let's talk just for a second. Because that could be a whole separate podcast episode mm-hmm. about the people who right. won't go there. And, and this is not a judgment. Yeah. Let me just say that and be very clear about that. Yeah. Um this is an observation 
And it's an observation from the other side of having mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. with a strong won't and fighting yeah. for the will to do the work. Mm-hmm. And understanding, and this is a common thread, a common theme across many of the episodes of this podcast about why people just don't do the work. Mm. And there's so many reasons. Part of that is they don't realize there's work to do Mm. because they're so caught up in the should of what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to show up, that whatever they're doing, they think is what they're supposed to be doing. And they have accepted that if they're unhappy doing it, that's just part of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm supposed to not like Mondays. That's just part of it. So many, most people don't like Mondays because most people don't like their jobs or what they're doing. And because it's most people, it's become the norm or the accepted thing that we just, is just part of the story. Yeah. And so I'm not doing the work. And I say I, because I'm speaking from the people who aren't mm-hmm. or haven't. Right. I'm not doing the work because I don't realize there's work to be done. Mm. I think I'm supposed to just be checking in and checking out, literally clocking in and clocking out. Like I thought that was what it's supposed to be. And then if I do wake up one day and I realize that maybe there is more, then it becomes scary because I've been clocking in and clocking out for so long, believing what I've been believing, doing what I've been doing, showing up how I've been showing up. I've created so much life. I'm built, I've built so much life around that, that if I change that, All of the life that I've built around that crumbles. And I don't know what to do with that. Whether it's because now I feel like I'm too old to be starting over. Or I'm too afraid of what it looks like to start over. Or if I do start over, I don't even know where I would be starting. Mm. Like, whatever that fear is. that Now, that becomes the reason why I don't do the work. Because I say all the time, people will sit in shit because it keeps them warm. Not because they want to be sitting in shit, but because it'll keep them warm. And so there's this thing of life where, damn, okay. Now I realize, mm, I don't have to do this. It could be something else. Yeah. There's more available here. But there's so much built up around this that now I'm just, I'm just too comfortable. And it's not even comfortable. It's familiar. Is it because it's not comfortable? You're not comfortable. And the more you know, the more you become aware (laughs) of how uncomfortable you are, that just heightens the discomfort that much more. Because now you know, I'm choosing to not do anything about this situation. I'm choosing to sit in the shit. Yikes. So then, and then that impacts your relationship. How do you choose? I was just telling somebody the other day, she was saying um, that she had been helping her brother out. He had been ill and she moved in with him and offered to help with his bills and do all that. He was off work because he was ill. And that one day she came home and he just kind of like went off on her. And she yeah. was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm doing you a favor. I'm helping you out. I'm here loving you and supporting you and doing the best I can as your sister while you're in this situation with your health. And this is how you want to talk to me. So she ultimately moved out and all these things. And she was like really distraught. I don't understand why he would talk to me like that. And I said, what is happening is that you are an upfront, up close and personal representation to him of everything that he is not and everything that he is refusing and unwilling to be. So when you come in as his baby sister and um, financially you're stepping up, 
You're helping him with his meals so that he can improve his health. And you're prioritizing things in his life that he should have been prioritizing so that he wouldn't even end up in this situation. That makes him confront himself. Why couldn't I cook these meals for myself? Why couldn't I make these decisions so that I wouldn't be in this place? And it's making him confront all the things about his life that he wasn't wasn't fixing, quote unquote, for himself. And it's hard. That's that hurts people's feelings because they now think you're judging them. I'm here as your sister. I love you and I'm supporting you. But you think that I'm judging you for not doing the things that I'm coming in here doing. So you project that onto me mm. and now you go off on me and push me away when, but what you're really pushing away is the representation of all the things that you were unable or unwilling to do for yourself and it's in that confrontation of that rather than change your mind about how you show up you choose to stay in the shit because you won right yeah and you push me away yeah and that's just what we yeah. fight for yeah. we fight for that yeah for sure. For that familiarity. And I'd say, I would love to just dive into, take a deeper cut, mm-hmm. and talk about the won't who will. Mm-hmm. Some of the people who, who won't do it, but then they find the way, to, to find, they find the will mm-hmm. to do so, which was myself. I found the will. Mm-hmm. And how I found it was through relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about changing my circle. Mm-hmm. Changing the people who I was spending quality time with. Mm-hmm. Right? Quality, quality though. Quality time. Right? It's much different. A lot of it is spending time. And then there's investing time. And there's investing time. And I started spending my time wisely. And what shifted for me is understanding that I deserved to be in relationship with a higher vibrating circle. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's such a it's such a deep it's such a deep uh it's 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 deeply rooted, like it like under your under your your center plex mm-hmm. that is so deeply rooted that we don't deserve certain things. Mm-hmm. And if all the cameras are off, all the lights are off, and you truly believe you don't deserve something, you'll never have it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's making $10,000 a month, driving a nice car, being in a powerful relationship, whatever it is, if you don't believe you deserve mm-hmm. it, it will never show up because you're not the space for those things to occur. So I had to go through like a deep, like mental, spiritual, emotional shift and really let go of those stories. Mm -hmm. And how that happened was by being around people who believed that too. Mm -hmm. People who intimidated me, people who thought, wow, they deserve the world. Why does she think she deserves it? And I don't think that, I don't feel that. Like I want to believe that, but I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Why don't I feel that? And so what shifted for me is relationships. Mm-hmm. Second is affirmations. Affirmations changed my life. Mm-hmm. One that I used to say, three that I used to say all the time is I am abundant. Only my good will come to me. And opportunities flow my way endlessly and effortlessly. And I would repeat them every day. Every day. I'd be in the car and someone would say something. I'm like, damn, I don't have money. they go, no, 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 no. I'm abundant. Or I would say, man, why, you know, damn, my friend just booked a job and he's flying to Texas and he's doing this thing with this huge corporation. Like, no, opportunities flow my way endlessly and effortlessly. And letting go of the comparison conversation and start Mm -hmm. contrasting. We compare too much, we don't contrast enough. What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Right? If you don't know where you're different, people can't pursue you for that difference. Right. I wanted all my life to be heard and to be seen, Joy. So I played sports. And then I model. And then I push and try to direct and produce and, and entertainment. I did all these, la- I climbed all the rungs mm-hmm. and only to realize that there was nothing up there. Mm-hmm. So I had to get rooted. 
And it's in the relationships that I get to know myself. They, they, people mirrored me. They showed me how I was showing up, mm-hmm. how inauthentic I was, how I was hiding, how I was playing small, how, my, the, my use of language. I had to lift my language. Mm-hmm. I don't use certain words anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't spend time with people because I value my time now mm-hmm. differently. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think it, for those who, who have lived in the won't, and desire to really step into the will is through changing the language that comes through affirmations mm-hmm. and relationships. It's about building relational wealth, not mm-hmm. financial wealth. The money will come if you build the relationships. Build the relationships, money will come. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give y'all a little sneak peek into the F word. And so there's, I have a whole uh, portion, like they're part of the mo- one of the modules on the F word, and I talk about wealth. And, and I talk about um, the difference between financial wealth and relational wealth. And I said that, you know, in financial wealth, the the currency is money, right? Or or assets, right? So you have either liquid assets or you have, like, you know, whatever. So assets, things, that's, that is the currency of financial wealth. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes what people think is then that relational wealth, the currency is people. More people I'm in relationship with, the more relationally wealthy I am Mm. but I said that's a misconception I said relational wealth the currency of relational wealth is actually time Mm. and it's not about how many people you are in relationship with it's the amount of time you spend with the people that you are in relationship with and if you intend to invest Mm. a lucrative amount of time in your relationships you're going to soon realize you can't have a whole bunch of people because it's yeah. only so much time you can spend yeah. trying to connect yeah. or not even trying to connect. There's only so much time you can spend connecting. Yeah. Well, do you end up in a situation where you got a lot of people in your circle and nobody in your corner? Right. Exactly. 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 And so the, the, the currency for relational wealth is time. And if we talk about wealth and we talk about how to accrue that wealth, it's, it's about wealthy people financially they know when where mm. and how much of their money to invest so relationally people relationally wealthy people need to know when where with whom and how much of their time to invest to build that relational wealth mm. and so that does look like becoming a lot more choosy about who's in your circle and and all of those things particularly those people that you spend the most time with and then that's I think where we get caught up because then we start to feel obligated to people well we've known them for a long time or they were there for me at this portion of my life when I needed such and such and so then I now feel like I owe them something or whatever or just because we're related and so because you are my sister my brother my parents my whomever I feel obligated to you because Mm -hmm. I was born into this and so then we begin to dish out our time and that's the difference now I'm just spending my time because yeah. spending doesn't have a return. Yeah. You get a return on your investment. For sure. Not a return on your spending. So if I'm investing in time in you because I expect a return, what is that return going to be? And if my history, my spending history, so if I check my bank account and I'm checking my spending history and how what's going on, if my history of spending and investing time into you only returns... A bunch of bull. I gotta, I gotta choose. I gotta invest a different way. Like it's, it just is really. And so we talked a little about the other day about the sunk cost fallacy, mm-hmm. which is a financial term, 
And it's basically, you know, putting money into something and then realizing at one point or another that what you've been investing in is not going to give you the return that you hoped or thought it would. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make a decision at that moment. Am I going to keep investing money? Or am I going to cut my losses? And a lot of times in relationships, we're unwilling to cut our losses because, oh, we've been, but we've been together five years or whatever the story is we tell ourselves. And so we keep going. But with the realization that where we're going is leading nowhere mm-hmm. or leading to somewhere where we know we don't want to be. So we get to become emotionally mature enough to um, not make ourselves responsible for other people's feelings when we make the decision that we need to make for ourselves um, with regard to how we invest our time. Mm. And that's really hard. for. So again, it goes back to that conversation of the work that is required to be your best self, to move from want to will, is when you start realizing these types of things. And then when you see like, ooh, that's going to hurt my best friend or my spouse or my whomever, mm-hmm. then then that's what shakes us up. And for a lot of people, that becomes the reason why it feels like it's not worth it. Yeah. And they retract from that work and they sit, sit in the shit. For sure. That's what it is. And so, and that's, so this is why I say it's not a judgment on people who mm-hmm. are either unaware of the work or unwilling to do the work because I understand. Right. That is challenging and it's hard and it can be hurtful and it can be disappointing for you and others. I get it. But maybe one day you decide what I know is for me is worth this struggle, this pain, this loneliness, Mm -hmm. this loss of this relationship. Mm -hmm. This person may be thinking or feeling or saying whatever thing about me Mm -hmm. because my reputation is important to me, but... Yeah. You know, or whatever. That's yeah. that's part of the work and that those are the moments that make people turn and go the other way. For sure. Or not even approach it to begin with. So, um what are three things that you would say um right now as you are on the well, I don't want to say on the other side. Well, on the other side of where you once were, but still in the midst of where you're going, Yeah. I guess. And so you kind of are becoming or are revealing still yeah. who you are. For sure. Let me, let me let me dive into that real quick. I love that. On the other side. A lot of people talk about trying to get on the other side of mm-hmm. their pain or on the other side of this financial burden or on the other side of this divorce or on the other side of... Mm-hmm. Let me say something quick story <laughs> when I was about seven years old I have four sisters I'm the oldest of five my five-year-old sister she, maybe she was seven I was nine somewhere between five six seven eight nine somewhere before nine <laughs> and we used to play this game where she lay on the couch and I would catch her on the couch and I would walk up behind her I would pop her on her forehead and I would go running and she would chase me she'd hit me back we'd have a little you know a little brawl and then we'd let go we'd go have ice cream and you know, go ride our bikes right mm-hmm. one day I came home and I popped her. I popped her on her forehead. And I popped her hard. I popped her good. I popped her real good. And she wasn't in a good mood. Um. So she got up off the couch. And she chased me around the house with a can in her hand. 
wanting to really physically hurt me. Mm. I chased, I ran down the back steps. I ran down around the corner on the house in the building. We live in this huge complex. She chased me for no word of a lie about 20 minutes. <laughs> we get back upstairs in the house and I run into my grandmother's closet, lock the closet. I'm pulling, I'm pulling the door. She's pushing, I'm pulling. She's pushing, I'm pulling up. She's pushing, I'm pulling. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to whoop my ass right now. <laughs> I was literally, I think it's probably the first time I knew what fear was. Mm-hmm. I just knew she was going to hurt me. She was a little bit bigger than me. I was a very little skinny kid, but you know, very, very skinny kid. She was thick. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, the short of the long is, the, she stops pushing. So I lean in, put my ear against the door like, Brittany, <laughs> are you there? I know, you, I know you're there. So stop, stop, stop playing with me. Are you there? Wait a minute. And it was, it was quiet long enough where I went to go grab the doorknob and turn it. And as I turned the knob, the knob continued to turn. I realized that I had locked my ass in the closet. <laughs> now I'm locked in the closet. Now I can't get out. Now, I told you a few minutes ago, I am claustrophobic. Right. I'm in this little skinny walk-in closet with my grandmother's church clothes and high heels everywhere. And I cannot get out the closet. I'm pushing and pushing the door. I start to have a panic attack. I'm screaming my sister's name. She does not come back. She does not come back. I am going crazy. At this point, I'm in there for maybe 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm in there for about two hours. Mm-hmm. She finally comes back and says, stop playing with me. You just want to hit me when you get out. I'm like, no, please just let me out the closet. So she obliged, and she gets the little uh, screwdriver, and she's trying to get it out. I'm pushing, and we cannot get me out the closet. I end up losing it physically, mm-hmm. and I start punching the door, and I pull the clothes out the back of the door, and I punch the door, and I feel something wet all of a sudden. And I'm rubbing my hands, and I realized that I had punctured my wrist. I didn't know how bad it was, so I'm squeezing my wrist, and I have one of the shirts, and I wrap it around my wrist, and I'm squeezing it tight. I'm like, Brittany, I'm bleeding. Get me out. I'm dying. I'm going to die in the closet, please. I felt like the world was ending. No. Eventually, the closet bust open. I look at my wrist, and my wrist, I had a scar you can see here. It's about two mm. inches long, and my veins are popping on my wrist. I could have killed myself. Yeah. When I pulled my wrist back, I'm bleeding. Mm. I get out the closet, and of course, my grandmother comes walking up the stairs. And she goes berserk. She sees blood. She's my sister's sweat. And she sees me in the closet. Her clothes are everywhere. It looks like a murder scene. Right, right. right? I share this story because in the moment, that wound was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Mm-hmm. But eventually, our wounds become scabs. And then they turn to scars. But in the moment, it was the worst thing. And you go to school the next day, you get stitches. And you show everybody, look at my wound, look at my wound, look at my wound, mm-hmm. look at my wound, look at my wound, look at my wound. And our wound walks into the rooms before we do. Mm. Yeah. Our pain walks into the house before we do. Our lack of confidence walks into the office before we do. But after a while, that wound became a scab and then a scar. And after it's a scar, I don't talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's no longer the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'm sharing this with you. Where I'm going here is that... I don't learn it. I didn't. I spent. I didn't spend my life trying to get rid of this scar. Mm-hmm. But I learned how to live with my scar differently. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who's in a divorce right now, mm-hmm. listening to this podcast, or in a relationship, or at a job, or in a space where they are not happy with where they are, or what they have, it's not about getting to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. It's learning about asking yourself, how can I live with this differently? I can't take this off my arm. I can go get plastic surgery, but it'll still be a scar. Mm-hmm. So it's not learning to get on the other side of something. Mm-hmm. It's about how do I live with this differently? How can I show up differently despite this? Mm-hmm. And that's made a world of difference for me. I can't change my abuse. Mm-hmm. I can't change being a foster care. I can't bring my father back from earth. I can't make my mother stop using drugs. But I've learned to live with 
all of that differently. Mm-hmm. It doesn't control me. I've taken it out of the dark and I've put it in the light. Because mm-hmm. when it's in the dark, it controls me. Right. It disempowers me. Mm-hmm. But when I take it, I rip it and I remove it from the dark and put it in the light. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can see it differently. I can twist it, turn it, mold it so that it works for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't work for it. Right. And that has made the world a difference. It's created so much space in my life to be able to create, to be able to grow, to be able to travel, to be able to find, to be able to see clearly my people. Mm-hmm. I think we spend, going back to relational wealth, we spend too much time with not our people. Mm-hmm. People will tell you the end is always in the beginning. If you pay attention, if you're aware and present, people will tell you, you know what? You probably don't want to be my friend because I'm a cheater and I'm a liar and mm-hmm. I steal. You probably don't want to be in relationship with me because I have a bad history of mm-hmm. you know, being abusive. You probably don't want to go into this office space because the environment is toxic and I bring all my bullshit as your boss. I bring all my bullshit to work with me. <laughs> so if we're aware, we can hear people. We can oh, yeah. see these things, but we don't build our awareness. So what changes from being and living in the wealth, living in, in, in the will, is a relational wealth, is really building relationships, the affirmations, and awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness. When we are aware of joy, we make different choices, in mm-hmm. turn produce different results. Mm-hmm. Is that we haven't built in our, our awareness. It's not that people, like you said, it's not that they want to sit in shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's that they don't know any better. They're not aware right. that, That's wow, yeah. I don't have to choose shit. I can choose caviar. I can choose walk, long walks in the beach. Mm-hmm. I can choose true love. I can choose, you know, eat fine dining. I can mm-hmm. choose the things that are really so much more available to me. And when I realized what else was available, I stopped looking at my scar. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was a scar is truly something I can always rethink. Mm-hmm. Scar. S-C-A-R, mm-hmm. something I can always rethink. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of the teaching I do in the workshops I'm doing with the men is teaching them that they don't have to be their story that they've, that they've been telling. Right. Because those stories, if you tell them long enough, it's no longer a story, it's my truth. Yeah, well, and what I hear you saying is something similar to what I like to say, like just, re- just reframing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's your come from? And so oftentimes when we're in the midst of our stuff, the divorce or the loss of the job or the health struggle or whatever things that we're in the middle of, we feel like it's a punishment and we'll say, well, why me? And what I say all the time to people is when you're asking why me, be sure that you're asking from a place of purpose and not a place of pity. So why me? Why am I going through this? Because going back to the beginning of our conversation, if we all go through something because that is the thing that we're meant to then pull from to share with the world whatever lessons whatever blessings we get from having gone through it then you have to know that everything you go through has a purpose so why me why am i going through this what is it that i'm meant to learn how am i meant to grow how am i meant to become stronger or wiser or whatever as a result of having gone through this so that on the other side of it when this portion of it is done or whatever it will not have been in vain. And more importantly, because lessons unlearned return, I don't have to go through this shit again. So if I'm going through a thing because I needed to learn something from it, let me get what I'm supposed to get so that I don't got to keep doing this, looping this over and over again. Let me get what I'm supposed to get right now because there's something in this for me. It ain't just happened because Life doesn't happen to me. It happens through me. There's something I'm supposed to get from this that's going to take me to my next level. So what is it? Let me get it. 
and get on. Because if it's that uncomfortable, I don't want to be in it longer than I need to be. Let me get what I'm supposed to get. Because mm-hmm. if I spend too much time running, it's going to catch up to me anyway because I need something from this. Right. So I'm not going to run. Let me just, similar to what you said, let me just sit for a minute. Let me get with myself. Let me look in and see what what this is. So I can get what I'm supposed to get and get on. And then give it to y'all and make room for something else. Right. For my next lesson, which is probably going to come through some other bull. But whatever, it's life. And it's not that I'm calling mess into my life. It's that I understand that peaks and valleys, seasons, I understand growth um, comes in all of these different ways. And sometimes it is uncomfortable and I got to be okay with that idea or that notion so that when it hits me, I'm not caught off guard and I'm not coming from a place of pity like, well, everything was all good all of a sudden. No, there's no all of a sudden. This is just your next level. This is your new door. This is your new thing. And really, whatever happens, your perception of it is what shapes your experience of it. So for somebody looking in, it may look like, damn, that's a struggle. But I'm in it like, you know, I'm knowing what's coming. Mm -hmm. I'm knowing what I've been working on. I know the work that I've been putting in. I know um, I see clearly like how that fits into what I know is next, what I intend to be next, what I've been building, what I've been praying. I know that. So I can look at it and be a little bit more at peace than maybe the outsider looking in. And that's just, again, part of the work, though, having lived through some stuff and surviving at the moment, feeling like it was the worst thing, but now being here, having survived that and seeing now where that thing fits into my story and how it becomes a part of what I'm created to do. Mm-hmm. When I can be in whatever stuff is the, the now stuff, I know it's going to be the same story. Right. That when at, at, at some point, future point, this is going to make more sense to me and that's just going to become a, another part of my story and I'm going to keep evolving and so your elevation effect will keep evolving as you keep living and keep having experiences and, and keep creating content that you can now share that becomes relevant to the next person because you have this understanding of the importance of being able to translate what you've experienced to what somebody else can grow from. Mm. So I, I see all, I say all the time, my story is the seed that, you know, is the soil by which somebody else will plant their seed and they will grow. Right. And whatever their growth process, whatever their story is, will become somebody else's soil. So soil dirty. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just got to get dirty. Mm -hmm. And that's just what it is. So thank you so much for dropping so many nuggets today. I appreciate you. And I want you to just tell us a little bit about what you have coming up, what you're working on, what you're doing, where we can find you. On the worldwide internet. Absolutely. I live <laughs> online at javonlangford.com, J-U-V-A-N, langford.com. And um, I've got so many amazing things on the horizon. I'm in the process of launching a global tour, my second round of touring uh, for the Elevation Effect, which is a, a global a three-day global workshop for men. It's an exclusive and explosive event. We dive into awareness, choice, and result, teaching men how to really build sustainable results, both personally and professionally. And the second piece is the Mentor, which is a a national 
male teen empowerment tour where we kind of go around from school to school and do social emotional work with young boys, really teaching them leadership and manhood principles. Uh, what it really means to, to transition from being a boy to a man, just discovering how our young boys are becoming broken men mm-hmm. and our men are broken boys. Mm-hmm. And um, just really taking these boys on a journey and teaching them and being with them and creating deep and meaningful connections for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm working on my first book, which is something I am, it just brings me so much joy to think about mm-hmm. how my story will, will live beyond me mm-hmm. and surrendering that to the world and just really giving all of me to this book and mm-hmm. using it as a platform to touch, move, and inspire people to, to drop into a vulnerable space and to let go and to surrender to all the things they've been through in their life. And in the book, I talk a lot about relational wealth. I talk mm-hmm. a lot about mentorship and do so by weaving and braiding and, and threading stories, personal stories of people who have really, whose ways of being have transformed my ways of thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so social that media, Jamal Langford. Yeah, yeah. yeah so make sure you guys follow up, check in. Um, for all of the men around the world, whoever may be listening, definitely just check with him and see if he's doing something in your city, in your area, um, whatever workshops or whatever that may be. Talks, just go and hear from him. And again, and it's about you know surrounding yourself with people who are doing what it is you want to do not necessarily in the in the same way professionally but just living in the way that you would like to live and so however that means that you show up in whatever it is that you choose to do but choosing to do that with people who are thinking also from abundance and just that willingness to to do the work internal work and then whatever the external work may be towards towards your goals yeah all of that and so thank you again for joining me Thank you for having me. I want to just before we leave this, we wrap this up, I just want to say that I acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge you for being willing, for living amongst the willing, mm-hmm. for breaking through. It's been such a, a joy mm-hmm. to watch you, Joy, mature and to dive into deeper levels of yourself, of learning mm-hmm. and understanding that it's not about you. I think mm-hmm. that just knowing the last five years, I, I really see how you've evolved mm-hmm. as a woman and how you've surrendered to a bigger purpose and you're doing it. Most people want to do podcasts. They want to have products and services. They want, they want, they want, but they will not do the work. So thank you for doing the work and knowing that this right here, this is not about you. Yeah. And you're creating a platform for people like myself who are committed out of their mind to doing this work. Mm. Thank you for having the platform for me to be able to share my message and to extend it to more people, to extend my reach. Because as you know, it's a core value of mine. Yeah. It's core value. So you're yeah. giving me an opportunity. So I just thank you for the gift that is you, thank for your you. time, for your energy, and for your effort. I know that this is going to be something that will grow globally mm-hmm. and that you'll be able to continue on your journey by sharing your matters on your heart yeah so thank you so much for thank what you so what much doing for saying you show that. Up. thank you thank you thank you um you're gonna make me cry <laughs> um no this is definitely much bigger than me and i remember thinking when i created it um it was the, the, the purpose is a place to come and be while you're still becoming, mm. right? And so while you're still becoming aware of who you are, what you want to do, how you want to show up and be, becoming all of those things, which we already are, but we're growing into them, right? Like we're, we are complete but not finished. Yeah. And so that's what this has always been, this, this podcast. And, the, and it's real matters of the heart, like what's going on? in our hearts, in our spirits, in our minds, what what's concerning us and what are we excited about and what are we committed to mm-hmm. and all of those things. So I thank you for acknowledging me for that. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to all of what you said coming to yeah. fruition. And, and I have f- fully intend to do to do that and much more. Um, so thank you for that. You guys can find me on social media as well at Joy Hearts, J-O-I-H-E-A-R-T-S, across the board. Um, again, make sure you check out this and other episodes of the podcast on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. And let me know what you're thinking. If you guys have questions, if you have um, topics that you would like us to talk about or whatever, <laughs> let me know. Hit me up social media. You, you may also email me if you're shy. Hello, H-E-L-L-O at joyhearts.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, holla. Thanks again for tuning in to Real Matters of the Heart, the podcast. This is a community that I've created around the idea that we need a space to come and be while we're still becoming. And so when I invite my guests on, I am looking for inspiration, motivation, and information for transformation. During these conversations, I ask them to be very vulnerable, very candid, and very transparent. And so if these podcast episodes have been at all relevant to you, then I'm asking you to do two things. First, make sure that you are following and subscribed so that you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Second, I'm asking you to share this episode or these episodes with your friends. So tweet it, text it, email it, slide into their DMs, whatever you need to do to spread the word about what's going on here at Real Matters of the Heart, because that's exactly what this is. These are the real matters of our hearts. We talk about love, purpose, faith identity, all the things that are relevant to us as we move closer to being our best and highest selves. So um, this is definitely community effort. It's not all about me. So make sure you're following me, sending me your suggestions for topics. If you have questions, if you have guests that you would like me to bring on, all the above. I am working to create a space for all of us. So I want to hear from you to make sure that I am hitting the topics that um are concerning you right now. So again, thanks for listening. Be sure you're following and subscribe. Make sure that you share and make sure that you reach out to me. Talk to me. Let me know what's on your mind and what's on your heart. So until next time, talk to you soon.